a listener production. One thousand Apple Podcast ratings alone. That's pretty good, Dylan. All We're co- on it. We've hit the K. One thousand, and that's people actually writing the review, not necessarily clicking the stars. We've had a thousand reviews. Wow, that's incredible. We're five stars on Apple Podcast, so thank you to everybody. There's a couple of one stars on there. Do you know why they're one stars? Oh, this is a very funny story. It's actually, because Angus bagged wrestling on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, WWE community, <laughs> and they all go came on our podcast and gave us one stars and started abusing us. They googled my name, Angus O'Loughlin, saw that I was doing this podcast. And I was a radio announcer. They sent two complaints to work. And anyway, they gave us a couple of uh, one-star reviews on yeah. the podcast as well. So mate, I'm sure there were some real one-stars, but we like to Probably. think it was only that. Just the wrestling guys. But to everybody that's taking a photo and sharing it on socials, it really helps us uh, get our podcast in the ears of more people so we can normalise disability in a really different, cool, you know, entertaining way. And Gus, yeah. today's guest is no different. We've got another one. Let's let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Rhiannon. I am 21, nearly 22 years old. I am a blogger, a very part-time public speaker uh, and massive AFL fanatic, Richmond fan in the house. Uh, and I hail from the sunny state of Queensland. Which is quickly, just before we find out your disability, interesting mm-hmm. that you're an AFL fan for somebody in Queensland. As a person who's lived in uh, Sunshine Coast, Townsville, Cairns for a period of time, you can hardly find AFL on a screen, let alone find a fanatic. AFL's Australian rules football if you're listening overseas That's as well. That's true. It's a yes. huge rugby league state. So you, how did you become a fan of AFL up there? Um, my dad was uh, born and bred in Kyabram in okay. Victoria. Oh. So he moved up in his early teens and, yeah. Let's just get our Richmond bragging out of the way as well. So quick, yes. you've, got, you've got 10 seconds, go. Dusty is legend. <laughs> okay, thank Dusty you. Right, now, Probably the best AFL player. Yeah, very good. And yeah. Rhiannon, um, what's your disability? So my disability is Ulrich's muscular dystrophy. Okay, talk us through what that is. So muscular dystrophy, it's a very blanket term. There's about 30 different strands of muscular dystrophy. Uh, so basically what it is in a nutshell, it's a degenerative muscle wasting condition. So you get weaker as you get older. It really affects the way you move. For some people, it affects respiratory, heart, talking, swallowing, and the biggest one is you lose the ability to cough. So given the current climate... Yeah, I was going to ask. Wow. How's it going with the current COVID, obviously, Um, we're talking about here? Yeah, it's it's was definitely interesting this time last year. It we, We turned into a bit of a freak show at home. We were cleaning door handles every couple of hours. Anyone who came home from work were ushered into the laundry and had to... Strip off, take clothes off, go for a shower, hand sanitize. Um, we still have a bottle of hand sanitizer, like the big bottles of mm. hand sanitizer, still at the front door. So anyone who enters, hand sanitize. Well, we yeah. spoke to Carly Finlay very early on in the pandemic, yeah. um, just before we actually went into a very hard Melbourne lockdown. Um, we spoke to her about how it was affecting people with disability more because. You couldn't risk it if you have disabilities that made your yeah. immune system lower. Immunocompromised, it's Exactly called. right. So, yeah, I mean, it was, would have been an incredibly tough time for you, especially with that being part of your disability. Now, you said you have Ulrich's muscular dystrophy. Is that right? Ulrich's? Yeah, Ulrich's, yeah. Ulrich's is – what does Ulrich's in particular mean for you in terms of your strand of muscular dystrophy? Um, so it is a collagen 6 deficiency. So whenever someone – Google's muscular dystrophy, the first strain that will come up is Duchenne. Yep. So Duchenne, it affects dystrophin levels. 
The best way I can describe it is when you use your muscles, they break down. So in most instances, you go to the gym, you work out and your muscles will build back stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, But with muscular dystrophy, and especially for people with Duchenne, you use your muscles and they don't grow back. So they continuously waste away. And then there are kids in wheelchairs permanently from the age of seven, eight, um, depending on the luck of the draw. That's the best description I've ever heard. I was going to say, I've never had someone break it down so simply That is the one. that I'm still on that. That's really great. Could you get somebody who was diagnosed with it at a very young age and sort of bubble them to protect their muscles for the longest amount of time to sort of prolong life? Uh, all I know from from experience, I've got a friend um, with Duchenne and I hope he doesn't mind me talking about it, but his parents assumed, okay, let's get you up and moving. Let's start getting you uh. moving, um, which was not helpful. Doctors, and especially for me, they really pushed being in a wheelchair very early on mm. from when I was about four. I got my first mobility scooter at the age of four. My condition, I can still walk, touch wood, um, which I'm very, very blessed and grateful to still be able to have that ability. I can only walk, I'd say the most I've been able to do in one hit is about two kilometres. Oh, that's a bit. It's a bit, but I've gone one better and have signed up for a fundraiser to do 5K, so wow. help me. With crutches <laughs> or unassisted? Uh, unassisted. You've got to walk 5K unassisted even though you've only ever walked 2K. That's that's the plan. That's pretty loose. I mean, you're already two k's ahead of me, as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but have you um, been told about what to expect from a physical aspect and and something you know degenerative breakdowns of your body? Do you know what will happen first? Yeah, they haven't sort of told me what to expect. Just that I'll get weaker, and um, with my type of MD, I have contractures, so my joints in my elbows, in my hips and my Achilles are tight and shrunk. So I can't strengthen my, like stretch my arm out flat. So it's mm. like go bend your elbow to about 90 degrees mm. and then straighten it by two centimetres, not even that, and it's, my arms are permanently fused mm. in that oh, spot. Like no, I can't, can't strengthen my arms. Yeah. We, yeah. For people who will see this on the socials now yeah. or our YouTube, so you can't go so, any more straight than that? No, nah, no, nah, that's it. Yeah. So not yeah. to obviously push the issue, but. Could yeah. you, could some, if someone used force, or is it just like it's locked, break, locked break door there? Arm. Deep tissue massage and trigger pointing, which anyone who's had trigger pointing, no, it kills. Yeah. Um, but they can sort of straighten it out a little bit, not to completely straight. Right. But then you give it five minutes and then it will be back. Mm-hmm. Um, they've said about um, Botox injections. I've done a bit of research about Botox injections. Dylan's had them. Yeah, I've had them. that's still not. In my forehead. They, with MD, it's still a bit. They're not sure if it will be beneficial just right. for the surrounding muscles. But you were the first child of your parents. Yes. Do you know if after having a child with disability, your parents contemplated whether they should have more kids? That's scary you ask that. I was only just talking to my mother about that this morning because wow. um, I was looking through old medical records. I told her to pull out a big file of medical records. And in it they said, oh, they were contemplating having further children. And I said to my mother, I'm like, was that always on the cards? And she said, we were having two kids, regardless disability, not that was always going to happen. So very fortunate that my brother came along three years after me. So your brother has a disability or not? No, no, okay. he's he's fit and healthy. Yeah. So do we know if it's genetics, muscular dystrophy, or how does it come about? No one in my family has this condition. They did 
genetic testing, they traced it back. No one in my family is disabled. I'm the unlucky sod that caught the rotten egg, so to speak. So Or or lucky potentially. Mm. Yes. Is that truly how you feel? Do you feel unlucky or lucky? If you asked me that question about 10 years ago, I would have said unlucky. Take us back before you answer it now then. What was going on 10 years ago? 10 years ago, my anxiety was shot. Usually when you grow up, when you're four, five, six, you don't recognise anything's, for lack of a better word, different. But once you hit, for me, grade three was the the singer. You know, I was seven, trying to fit in, but my body, I was starting to notice that I wasn't as strong anymore as what I used to be. I couldn't sit on the floor anymore and get up by myself. So I had to start sitting on a chair in class. And I was the only one in my grade that was doing that at the time. And then I started to notice more of the the name calling and the stares and the laughs out in the playground. That really started to rock my confidence. But as you kept going through the year levels and the bullying kept getting worse and, and evolving, so did your body. Like I went from walking around in the playground pretty easy to needing a mobility scooter to get around the playground. Mm. Um, And then that resulted to just sitting and watching everyone play and just sort of twiddling my thumbs. So it really rocked that confidence, um, which then I reckon it it then turned into me sort of needing a lot more um, confidence and positive words from the outside world. Um, which then led to my friends at the time saying, oh, you're too needy. You need too much help. You need too much encouragement. Um, So, yeah, that really went up through to year 12 for me. And it's only been, I'd say 10 years, I'd probably say since I've been out of high school that I've really started to value and love what my condition has enabled me to do. Like, I wouldn't be here without it. Do you so feel, I'm grateful. And by here, you mean the Listen Able podcast. Yeah, you mean this, this award-winning yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. Um, no awards yet. You know, no, we award give ourselves list. awards. Um, do you Did you feel like a burden back then on your friends? Yes. I, I felt like a burden to my family, to my friends, um, that I needed so much help and not being able to – know participate in sports and things that my brother was yeah I mean we still had some epic wrestling sessions no doubt about it um and swimming races and things and he treated me like one of his other friends and everything so he he was brilliant in that regard and my my family definitely had the no bubble wrap approach they were literally like hey if you want to go and do donuts on your three-wheeler scooter and face plant in the concrete go right ahead Mm -hmm. like you'll only learn um, but yeah, at the time, definitely. You said 10 years, so now you're 22. So probably the last four years of sort of mm. finding yourself. Is there a moment when you're growing up making friends that you think, why would you want to be friends with me? I don't think that question's ever crossed my mind actually. Um, but that's a good question. That's why he's on the big bucks here at Listen Able. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the average bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not many bucks. <laughs> I think that was the general question of why. And I think everyone who's disabled at some point in time has that question running through their head, mm. um, but more so about why am I like this? Why, why did this happen? No, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever had that thought cross my mind, actually. Because I just wonder if whether you think, oh, it's easy to be friends with Renee 
instead of Rhiannon because <laughs> Renee and I can run to the movies and go to a movie marathon, but I have to wait another hour of preparation to go and do it with Rhiannon, if that makes sense. Angus says that to our boss when he's trying to get a new co-host. He's like, I could always help Dylan. <laughs> <in such a, laughs> no, no. uh, um, I do have to bring the coffees into the radio yeah, show on a morning. Yeah, I buy them, but I, I mean, can't carry them. There's a lot them, of so. burdens that Dylan has to do. Um, have to go through pedestrian crossings. We can't jaywalk. Yeah, we can't jaywalk. Yeah, we <laughs> oh, you tried to jaywalk today. I was like, bro, we've got to go around here. There's steps. He's like, oh, damn. Um, I, I will say this to answer your question. Um, you build up in your own mind that you think you are more of a burden than you actually are, which is what I found out. So when I used to shy away from my disability and be embarrassed about it is because I thought I was being more of a burden than I probably was being. But in saying that, um, Gus, I've been to back when, probably like when I was 18, 19, it was a couple of clubs, you know, we've told this story on this lesson able, but when I go to a nightclub or somewhere and you know, there's 10 of us and we don't get in because, oh, sorry, they all get in, but I get told, no, you're not coming in. You're in a wheelchair and they all leave because of me. I feel bad. I still feel bad, right? Mm. That is when I feel like a burden. And I do. And they go, mate, stuff this joint. We don't want to be there anyway. But as much as they say that, I still feel like I've let them down because of who I am. And that'll probably never go away, but you just get better at, and Rihanna, you might agree, you know, I'm 30, you're 22, so you'll, you'll get even better at it than you are now. Because when I was 22, I probably still thought about this stuff a bit more, but you just, it's just how it is, you know? You, some things you can control and some things that you can't. Definitely. And I, I, I'm with you on the clubbing thing. I've only just gone out doing a pub crawl in the last six months. First time ever that I've managed to do it. It was with a bunch of work colleagues and um, it was actually after our work Christmas party. And they're like, oh, come, come bar hopping with us. I'm like, oh, sweet, cool. Where I live, the main drag of town, there's not a lot of restaurants and bars that are actually accessible. There are steps to get in there, which I, for I me, thought Toowoomba would be all flat pubs. There you go. I don't know. I just thought it would be really? like old school, like country town flat pub vibe. No, that there's still most of them. They've got two stories. Well, let me cross Toowoomba off my go-to list. Ready? Oop, done. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a nice place. It's a nice place. <laughs> but they originally like, okay, well, let's go to this bar, and we rocked up, and my colleague's like, let me go test it out first. He walked in. Two seconds, walked out and he goes, no, nah, okay, guys, next one. We we literally went to all of them and then there was one more to test off and he goes, he came back out and he goes, there are two steps. How are we going to do this? Mm. I want you to get in here. So they literally, I was with my my mobility scooter at the time and he's like, right, someone's like, get over here, we're going to lift it. So they got me out of the mobility scooter and lifted my scooter up two stairs and then came and got me and they're like, right, we're going to carry you up this thing. Good. So they literally came and carried me through the club. And, and that's why, you know, and credit to you, Angus, like we go out together, mate, and if there's stairs, you know, I'm lucky and it sounds like you are too, Rihanna, to have some really beautiful friends who go, oh, you're coming in, I'm going to help you, you know what I mean? Well, we once went into a pub, uh, Dylan and I, in summer last year and we walked up there and the bouncer said, uh, look, I can't let you guys in. And I'm like, here we go, ableism. This Just because this guy's <laughs> in a wheelchair, he went, no, you're in thongs. I went, Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah, that's it. Inappropriate footwear, yeah. I get oh, it. Oh, he's good like, no, nah, he's good. You're he's not like, good. Dylan can come in. He's that's like, no, you, mate. You have to so go home good. and get changed. I was like, oh, yeah, fair oh, enough. That's good gear. Absolutely. Um, so we should have, I, because you said you were about to walk five kilometers, I didn't know yeah, that you were you every said, day. Yeah, you just said you're an electric you know? wheelchair. What's going on? So I was like, well, I, I was like, two stairs, you can't, two stairs, you can't get up, like, or no. struggle. 
Then you're going to oh, walk yeah. 5K. Walk 5K. What are, you, are you serious? What's Talk- happening here? So you're <laughs> in an electric wheelchair every day or a scooter? I'm in a mobility scooter. Okay, yeah. So, so, they're so like, different from an electric wheelchair. Yeah, they're awesome. They're the ones like... Three wheels. Yeah, but not like an old school granny scooter. There's these really cool little compact ones these days. Is that what you're rolling around in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it literally pulls apart and you can fit it in the boot. Like they're we sick. have a Corolla. Oh, they're awesome. And it fits in the boot. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Yes, yeah, so we should have set that up because when you're like, oh, you know, this isn't accessible. It's got two stairs. I'm like, you're walking five k's. How can you not fit two yeah, stairs? Is too much. They no, can't go vertical. It's easier to go straight, not up. That makes yeah. total sense to me. Yeah. So there's I think it's a gravity thing. Physics. <laughs> it was all about physics. <laughs> Their scooters are cool these days. How quick can the scooter get up to? Oh God, I, I like to think it's pretty quick, but I had a bloke I went to school with. He was in a manual chair, and we did a drag race one day, and he still. Flogged me by a mile. Uh, um, they'd have so to put speed limiters okay. on it. No, hang on. Can you go to a mechanic and no, take hey, the speed limiter off? There's black. You can. You, you can, can. Yeah, bro. Really? They can go. Yeah, they can go up to thirty k's an hour. If they're quick. Yeah, because they. There, there are things within scooters. You chip like, them like a PlayStation. You just chip a PlayStation. There you go. Wow. I, mean, I don't condone that. Go see your car. To the service. government who's listening to this, but mm. go chip your scooter. Rihanna, for you, uh, you wrote to us, uh, you nominated yourself, and thank you so much, uh, Listenable Podcast at Outlook.com, if you want to do the same. You said, the doctors at the time of my diagnosis pretty much told my parents to go home and love me because the prognosis was not good. Do your parents speak about that moment and what it was like walking into the front door of their home for the first time after the prognosis? Yeah, I mean, we're super open and honest and, and they share stories with me all the time. Um, one, one of the stories was how it came to, to happen. I was the first child. Mm. Um, so my mum didn't realize the early signs. Like I wasn't, I wasn't a very active baby in the womb. I didn't kick around much and she just thought that was normal. Um, and then when I was born, I was floppy. It wasn't until I was about two and I was at my grandparents' place and my grandparents were watching me walk and I was sort of waddling. I, I like to say to people, I waddle like a penguin. Yeah. My, my walk. Um, and my grandparents were like, oh, this is, this isn't normal. This Something's off here. You might want to go and get it checked. Kind of looks like and you've had a couple of rosés. Definitely. Definitely. One thing led to another. We were directed to an incredible doctor in Brisbane. And the day that they got my test results, I had to go and do a skin biopsy and a muscle biopsy, which for a three-year-old is Scary. Traumatic. Yeah. But mum said to me she remembers the day vividly well because she was sitting next to my cot at home that day thinking something's going to change today. The world we know it is going to change by the time we get home. And she said they were in the waiting room to get the results. The doctor came out to get them and she said the look in his face, she said, I will never forget that. She said, I could tell something was not right. And then that's when they sat them down, told them um, it's muscular dystrophy. And mum didn't know what it was. And she just like, righty, oh, cool. Is there medication that she can take? Is there an operation? Like, what's the deal? And he said nothing. And at that point, that was early, early 2000s. Like we're talking 2002-ish. So most research on muscular dystrophy was of Duchenne, which is a more severe type of muscular dystrophy. Like your, your prognosis for... Duchenne, you're lucky to see your 20s. Um, But now day and age, medicine's evolved and people are getting a bit longer. Um, So, yeah, that's when the doctor's like, look, just enjoy your time. So is the reason that it's a low life expectancy is because of the muscle breakdown, hence the lack of 
breathing and stuff? Like what, what is that? Talk us through why it is. You use muscles to breathe. Your, your lungs, everything, everything yeah. there your is the helping you. Even like keeping your spine heart straight muscle. so you don't crush organs and that as well, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I got scoliosis, which is pretty common yeah. um, with people with MD. Um, but, yeah, so your heart, your breathing, your ability to cough. So if you get one bout of pneumonia and you can't cough to clear all the gunk up, it's it's really, really tricky. Um, so I think that's where the life expectancy comes from when you can't do all those things. <laughs> It is an uncomfortable conversation because I still remember chatting to Emma Money. Uh, she has cystic fibrosis yep. and she got given a, a, an age, a, a timeline of her life essentially. Um, was that number given to you and, and how do you feel about that? It wasn't necessarily directly given to me. I actually, I found it. I shouldn't have, but I was flicking through my parents' email one day and I found the prognosis was originally around 18, 19 years of age. Uh, and when I, I'd found that email, I was 12 or oh, 13. Wow. I was going to say uh, amazing stalking of the email. I know. I, yeah. I still feel guilty about that. No, that's good skills <laughs> to have in later life. <laughs> so how do you feel as a 12-year-old seeing a number on the screen that tells you you've got six years to live? It was scary. Mm. It was really, really, really scary. And I was sitting there going, well, I'm, you're telling me I'm just going to graduate high school. And I'm not going to be able to live it up. Mm. Yeah. So is that, school, that is school is an option for yeah, me. What do you, you look forward to? Do you go to school the next day and go, I'm going to try? Or do you just go stuff it? I threw myself into my schoolwork. I took pride in my schoolwork because that was the one thing I was good at or wow. thought I was good at until I hit year 12. <laughs> but, yeah, I was like, I'm. this is something I know I can do well. Um, sport, I can't do. This, I can. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And so, God forbid, anything's to happen. I can go. Do you know what? I was able to take pride in this. Is there so eighteen? Right? Was the was the number that you saw? Eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. What happened on that eighteenth birthday? Was there? Is it kind of like? Do you remember Y two K, the year two thousand, and Mate. everyone at New Year's was like, "Happy yeah, we're gonna New it's all Year!" You and you weren't born. You were two. You would have been one or two there. One or two, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so that was the we thing. Were... At, at, the world was meant to end at the year 2000, Y2K. I've heard of that, yeah. Was it the same for you around that 18th, 19th birthday? Were you there like... Great analogy, by the way. Should I, you know, is it worth opening presents? Don't buy me presents. What's your attitude heading towards that that figure? I could only go by how I was feeling mm. um, internally and going, do you know, I actually still feel pretty good. I'm still walking. The doctors have told me from grade seven, you're not going to walk. 16 you'll be in your chair, in a wheelchair for formal. I was dancing in slight heels for my formal. Mm. So I was like, you know, I actually still feel pretty good with this. So I'm going to give it a whirl mm. and see how we go. So when it got to my 18th birthday, I was like, do you know I think I'm good here. And I was like, do you know, enjoy it. And so do you look into the future with what sort of outlook? I'm, I'm definitely a lot more optimistic these days. Uh, I'm just like, do you know what? Take it as it comes. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point where I'm like, I am happy and content with myself and my life and what I've been able to go through and accomplish in 22 years, I'm ecstatic and blown away with. So I've pretty much had the cake and icing and Mm -hmm. cherry on top. So I'm looking at the future going, whatever comes is whatever comes and I'm just going to take it as it gets here. What is that 
future goals? Is that career goals? Is that family goals? Like d- dating? Like where, where do you, where does your mind go when you think about it? I think a bit of everything. I would love to one day be married and have children of my own, um, which is a whole other beast entirely. Yeah, I'd love to well, talk about what the body would be well, pregnant well, with your condition. Let, let's sure. play in that space now because I won't name them, but I've got a friend who has muscular dystrophy as well. She was in high school. We didn't even know she had a disability and started showing signs of it about 15 or 16. And she just had a kid, um, but she used a surrogate in America, which is a process. And we will probably, let's even get her, try and get her on this enable because it's so interesting the way to go about it, the legals and the, you know, it's just, especially in Australia, hard thing to do in Australia. So they did it overseas, but she's a mum now. She's got a beautiful child and she's loving it. And, um, and you can see the smile on your face around it, which I love seeing because I think for some people with some certain disabilities, the doctors just count that stuff out and you're like, no, I want to do that. You know, wh- wh- how do you see it working for yourself? I actually had an appointment with the, I think it was a geneticist um, in year 12 and it was 8.30 of a morning. It was a school morning. So I had to go back to school the straight afterwards and they sat me down and they looked through my medical records and they said, if you decide to conceive yourself, it's going to be a one in two yes. that you're going to have a kid with muscular dystrophy. Oh. And also we should inform you that there may be a chance you won't be able to carry the child yourself because your your center of gravity is going to change too much and you're already toe walking as it is. So you're going to fall over a lot more, which isn't going to be safe. So you're going to be put on bed rest. That for a 16 year old to hear. Yeah. That was, but even yeah. to the point where this particular couple, they test the sperm and the eggs and they can tell if it's going to be a definite yes or not, whether they can use the eggs in a oh, surrogate. Really? Yeah, because if it's your genetics, they do the test and they go, unfortunately, the way you guys match up, it's a definite yes or no. So you can test before and then they use, whether they use the surrogate eggs or the actual person with the disabilities eggs. But then are you, are you given the ethical, moral decision to then go forward yeah. with that? Or do the doctors go, we know this, is go- this child's going to have... Ethical choice. Who's a doctor to say you can't have a disabled kid? Like, but that's what I'm saying. Are there doctors who no, say that you can't no, have no, a disabled no. kid? You can still use the – you have the choice whether to use the eggs that are going to make a disabled baby or not. Yeah. Okay. I'm, actually, I'm pretty sure. I'm just saying I know, th- I know there are tests Amazing for Down syndrome yeah. and at certain points and some people can terminate the pregnancy yeah, at that point. Yeah, that's not doctors, up to the – I know, couple, but I'm yeah. saying if you are going no, no, pre-pregnancy into that moment – That's so true. Does I that choice know. exist? Do the doctors take that away from you because, you know, an able-bodied doctor goes – my opinion to. is you're not going to have the quality of life of a normal child and I don't know. Does that what would you I mean, say, we all, we all, What would I you guess. say if a doctor said that to you, Rhiannon? I think I'd say simply to them that I, I understand and thank you for telling me about the risks. This is a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. And I would love that child no matter what. Yeah, it would be difficult to bring a child into the world knowing the difficulties that they're going to face. And going, I've lived through that, but at least I can help you through it because I know what to expect. What a teacher, you know? And I still think about Steph Agnew. At the very end of her episode, she's blind and she talks about her life being amazing. She loves her life. And who's to say that her life isn't oh, same as, as great as somebody else's? And I was like, oh, my God, that's such a, it was such a powerful moment. Yeah. Impactful sentence for me. The example that I use is when my parents say that I, I Dylan plays wheelchair tennis, the first thing they say is, oh, I'm so sorry. What happened? Not like, that's awesome. 
that's why it's so important to normalize disability, especially in the medical industry, mm. doctors, because they're actually some of the worst people. It's not their fault. They don't do any normalization training at uni about disability. They just see it from the medical disability model, not the social model of disability. So they look at our lives and go, bad life. Not, oh, they're a great person. Mm. They've got a job. They've got a partner. It's like bad life, disability, no good. So great question, Gus. I like that. We well, should you find would, that out. You know, and Gus, you just had a child and you said something really beautiful to me before she was born. Uh, yes, the thing is, I said on this podcast, I said that uh, I wasn't looking for the prognosis of a healthy baby. I wouldn't be using the terminology of I have a healthy baby because that for, therefore that I have the stigma that disability isn't okay. And uh, I think my perception has changed in the last year of doing this podcast with Dylan because uh, I keep hearing stories of great mothers, fathers, children of people with disabilities that they've got amazing lives, yeah. living, living huge lives. But up until that point, the idea of... I need a healthy baby or I'm well, no good. Yeah, how many yeah. Instagram captions do you see? She's the first photo, mum and bubba healthy. Yeah, and when they're a bit not healthy, like have a disability, you know, they don't mm. post and it's like this big, bad, bad thing that's going to happen, yeah. Well, can I also say something interesting? Sorry, Rianne, to get away from your story. I actually had somebody contact me uh, and they said, was everything okay with my baby? And I was like, oh, why is that? It's like, oh, we're not, you're not posting her on your Instagram as much as I would have expected. Is everything okay with her? And I was like, What's wrong? Yeah, see, there you go. I didn't know this person, so I pushed it. I was like, and what's wrong in your idea? Uh, and they were like, oh, nothing, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Off. But, um, yeah. Don't tell your mate Dylan I said wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, Rihanna, what's, what about, if you don't mind us going into it, of course, anything that makes you uncomfortable, let us know. But dating, how have you gone on the on the dating front? <laughs> what, what dating? Yeah. Yeah. I had one boyfriend when I was in year 11 uh, and that we'd known each other from when we were five years old. We went through primary school and then he left halfway through primary school and we reconnected when we were in year 10, year 11. Mm -hmm. And then he asked me out and at the time I was like, oh, my God, like this is excellent. He's actually seeing me for me and not he, he doesn't see the scooter and he doesn't see the disability. Like he sees me and my quirky, weird movie quoting personality. <laughs> but then that lasted four weeks and then he broke up me with me via text. Oh. So, so that's it. So you've no dating since then. No dating since then. Oh. No. So, now, are you open to the? Yeah, is that from you? The idea of dating? Are you yes. out on apps? You haven't closed <laughs> yourself up to the idea of it. <laughs> my my work colleagues have been very open about that. I'm one of two in my office that are single, and they said to me like, "You need to get Tinder. Mm. Like, get Tinder, get Bumble. Like, give us your phone." And we will set it up for you. We'll monitor it for you. If you want to get into the dating world, though, like, um, are you open to the idea? Because you've got to, you know, find a way to go about it. Definitely. I'm definitely open to it. 110%. 110%. Um, so I, I have been looking at a few dating sites recently. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll see. There's plenty of fish out there. Yeah. What about leaving the town? I, I grew up in a small town. It's a very community focused. Everybody in the town knows everybody and their business. And also, especially with, and you know, Toowoomba is essentially a country town. People seem to lock themselves into relationships very early on is sort of my experience of growing up. Has your mind traveled to the idea of moving out of your comfort zone or your hometown of Toowoomba to try and find, you know, a different life and maybe a, a partner in a different town? Because there's probably not a lot of people that are single in Toowoomba, I would imagine. Yeah, it's definitely, they always say Toowoomba is like the retirement hub. Mm. Like there's a lot of retirees here, okay. Um, which makes for great conversation. They've got great stories. Hey, 68 um, year old Dennis might be a great guy. You know, no, open yourself yeah. up. Just increase that age range to 40 <laughs> years. 
but no, definitely, I've I've considered a, a coastal change. Okay. Um, Ooh. Or, or, yeah, definitely, a hundred percent. What about then? You know, do you have these enough strength to transfer and dress yourself and all that kind of stuff still? Yeah, yeah. So I can dress myself. Um, I can transfer in and out of cars. Okay. Um, do not get me to wear a pencil skirt because in getting up into a SUV that I did last August because I fell out of the SUV and hit my head on the concrete and spent three weeks off work. Not good. <laughs> Safe to say I've retired pencil skirts. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it just buckled my knee and my knees buckle all the time, which mm. makes me have dates with the floor. You talk about dating. I do date it, <laughs> my, my partner's the floor. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so in, in terms of daily living, I'd say – out of 100%, I'd probably say I'm about 80 to 90% independent um, with my day-to-day being. Are you religious at all? Yes, I am. Now, yes. does your disability come into your religion at all? Do you ever question your faith? I'd say when I was about 10 or 11, definitely. I Because the, the questions of why, mm. um, why was this put on me? Like like the whole why me thing really got to me. That's a big one. Um, and... Yeah, it definitely did. But then it wasn't until my spinal surgery um, that I was given a cross necklace. My grandmother gave it to me, um, which belonged to my late grandfather. And um, she said, you know, he would wear this, you know, I want to give it to you. And I wear it. I I wore it the whole time, Mm. like all the time. Um, So, yeah, faith has definitely played a big role in my headspace now, my hundred percent. And I mean, everyone has different views on religion and faith. And, and I, I, I always like to say to people, just any higher energy source is a good to go, whether it's in yourself or external, whatever. Interesting. You ask, say that people have different ideas on faith, Gus. Huh, I'm an atheist. <laughs> I'm agnostic, I should say, because I can't disprove uh, that yeah. God exists as much as you can prove that he exists. But in the sense, I am an atheist because there is the statement, you know, God created everyone in his own image. Yeah. It's like, what? God's not in a wheelchair. So I kind of wonder where uh, people who are religious uh, come into faith and whether they can find strength and power in it. I'm all about finding your best version of yourself. If you find that through mm-hmm. God, through a book, through a testament, through whatever, the Quran, fantastic. If it makes you a better person, I have no problem with that because as an atheist, it makes me a better person believing in myself, like you said. But I just wonder with people who do have a faith and a disability, where it sits with them. Yeah, um, and like when your gallbladder's popping off and you're lying in the hospital and you're in strife, are you thinking, this is BS? Like, why is God doing this to me? Definitely. That Mm. even even during my scoliosis surgery too, I was sitting there going, why on earth? Like, this just keeps getting better and better. Like, Yeah, you're like, I'm praying, I'm going to church, why is this happening Mm. to me? Do you still still ask those questions about yourself? Not anymore, not anymore, because I'm one of those people that I like to have a go-to verse, um, whether it be the Bible. I had one that wasn't even religious that I would write every single day in year 12 to get me through year 12. Um, and it, it literally, like I said, it wasn't a Bible verse, um, but now I do definitely have a Bible verse that I go to and consult. And I believe Nick Vujicic, um, who was born without limbs, he's got a similar one to me as well that he likes to um, sort of repeat to himself when, when the anxiety starts getting up there and the questions and the thoughts start popping in your head a little bit more. 
We'll leave that uh, paragraph to be your own. And uh, shout outs to the lady who every time I mention religion on this podcast tells me that she thinks it's a disgrace and should stay out of the conversation. Um, Let's invite that message right now. And here she comes. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast, um, Rhiannon Anderson. Living Abled is the name of your blog and your Instagram. Before you go, of course, we have a bucket of uncomfortable, yeah. a bowl of uncomfortable. A bucket today. You've got a bucket Sorry, today. Sorry, it's bucket. normally a Jeez, bowl. Wow. Hang on, Angus. A bowl. Oh, geez. A bowl of uncomfortable question. Uh, this one comes from a person online who would like to remain anonymous. I've grown up in a family that has had a funeral business passed down throughout the generations. Uh, so therefore, death has been part of my life for a long time. With death being inevitable for everyone, but maybe for you a little bit different, have you thought about what your funeral looks like? Oh, oh but boy. That's a bucket today. That was a bucket, baby. That is. Holy smokes. Where's the tequila? Yeah. Um, definitely. Mortality, definitely. definitely, And always staring down the barrel of, you know, life expectancy and things like that. Um, they say now if I get to 50, I'm, I'm doing well. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'll take that. I'm definitely in agreement with my old man when I say I want the Richmond theme song playing either as I leave through, the church. We almost got through 55 minutes of Richmond and then there it is. That's always bringing it back. I like it. Everyone's singing. I can just have visions of people singing in the church the Richmond theme song <laughs> and when it gets to yellow and black and I also want to have myself recorded singing that. Oh, oh, that's so loose. That, like like that sounds like a fun celebration of your life. I like it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so are we talking like a... An adorned black and white theme. Oh, sorry, black and yellow theme. Yellow black and black. black. Dude, not Collingwood. Not Collingwood. Yeah, yellow no. and black. Yellow, yellow and, black. and black. We have podcast listeners in England and Brazil and the US. They're going to be like, what are these people talking about? What, what? AFL. Google Australian it. Rules. YouTube it right now. YouTube Richmond. it. Exactly right. Yeah. Dusty Martin. Rhiannon, you're a star. Uh, how do people get in touch with you? Um, give us the name of the – is it through your personal account or – because you, you even said you do a bit of – Business speaking, and I'm not pumping you up here. You should do more of it because you've got a great story to tell. Uh, how do people get in touch? So they can get in touch through my Instagram page, uh, Living Abled Blog, or one word, um, through my uh, Facebook page, Living Abled, or through my website, livingabled.com.au. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Here's the thing. People are sending Dylan DMs on his personal Instagram, my personal Instagram, um, the Listenable podcast Instagram, our Facebook. We're getting messages of people either suggesting people are just putting themselves forward to share their story. Send us an email. Um, just tell us your name, where you're from, and a bit of backstory about you, maybe who you're suggesting and why, maybe some links so we can check them out. And, um, you know, we, we have meetings every Friday about, you know, potential guests in the future. So make sure you put yourself or someone forward and, and they could be on the next episode of Listenable. Speaking of which, here's our next guest. So you've got a prosthetic thigh which matches your other thigh. I, I imagine quite specifically they would have measured, uh, done moulds of one thigh to match the other, just like they do with like Dylan's bum and his tennis wheelchair. So I get my prosthetic thighs made from a company who make, um, they make the costuming for Lord of the Rings and they make monsters and they do things like that. So Hang on. They- wait, 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 wait. Go back. Very cool. That's sick. How's, how do you hit them up? Do you go, Peter Jackson, I need a help like my leg? How does that come about? Pretty much. My dad happened to know someone who knew Sir Richard Taylor. Oh, sorry, and dad joking, just- but that's awesome. <laughs> 
dad just called him and was like, hey, like dad noticed just how badly, like I stopped going anywhere. I would not go to any event. I wouldn't go anywhere. And dad was like, surely you guys, you make monsters. And this was years ago when nothing was done through CGI. Yeah. He was like, surely you can make the skill of the eye. Sorry, um, sorry to generalize as well, but of course, New Zealand guest, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's just a straight up, straight up for the rest I of the world. I have never seen, can I just say? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, perfect. Oh. <laughs> So excited for that episode, Dill. Yeah, it's going to be a ripper, and uh, I get excited every morning waking up and reading the comments that mm. people are leaving on our podcast. You can review it on whatever podcast service you use. Please leave a review and please leave a rating. And we're all obviously about visibility and accessibility, and so by you giving us a rating, that actually brings us up into the algorithm of all of the podcast charts, and therefore somebody who maybe hasn't heard of us through word of mouth or the internet and find out and learn more about this space. We sure really will. appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Listen Able was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull. Listener.